As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, Friday edition. There will be no no payoff of any bets this week because the... uh, the payoff last week, from a physical standpoint, took its toll. But from a mental standpoint, it was great because you guys stepped up, gave to whatever charity your heart desired, and I didn't eat as many chicken nuggets as I thought I would, but I still ate 61. And Ari Wasserman, 61 chicken nuggets does a number on you in the immediate aftermath. Is that too much information for a description, or should we just leave it at that, or... It wasn't even that. It's not even the thing you're thinking. It's just a general awful feeling where you you feel like you can no longer function for several hours, where it just everything feels weird and wrong. So if you're gonna if you're gonna eat sixty nuggets or sixty one nuggets, just remember that. Remember, block out some time afterward because it's gonna get ugly. Andy, let me just tell you, I'm very familiar with the feeling of overeating and how that can make you feel. <laughs> Yeah, but it's something I felt overeating before. to that ex- overeating to that extent's a little different. It's not like yeah. I just want to take a nap. It's like I don't ever want to see another human being again in my life for at least four hours or so. Yeah, but no, it's <laughs> it is truly amazing. We uh, but we got it done, and I, I really appreciate everybody helping all out. Good causes. We did not make a bet this past week because really there wasn't anything. I don't think there was anything we felt that strongly. You about. have was to be hard? in order for us to make a bet. You have to be passionate about something because the the last few times we've made a bet, I've said something about an opinion, and then you've like immediately screamed, "There's no, there's no way you're right." And last week that didn't happen. So let's see if you can get passionate about something this week. Um, I've been working um, on my push ups, and I just did twenty one. Oh. I've done twenty one in nice. one in one set. So. Um, I'm not trying to give you any ideas, nor do I want to do 100 push-ups on this podcast, but I'm like <laughs> training retroactively or, or proactively uh, by myself yes, to make sure that if you ever um, try to embarrass me again, that it's not going to be as funny as you want it to be. Well, I feel like this is good. I mean, this that that is a good thing for you in general. And plus, so for those who don't know, Ari and I on our, our little Apple Watches, we share our workout data. So I see when Ari does a workout, he's been doing some rough workouts. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, What's the trainer putting you through? Yeah, I've got his trainer and we do the uh, high interval in training, you know, the hit training. 
and it's three lifts and then active um, workouts in between. So, and it's th- three supersets of three. So it's an, it takes about an hour and I'm basically moving the entire time. And like, even when I'm trying to catch my breath, I'm stretching or doing something. So it's, you know, do uh, curls and then you have to do jumping jacks. And then once you're done with that, you have to go do a back lift and it's just nonstop. And I'm the human body's not conditioned to that. Andy, I'm, I'm more of a, let the muscles relax and eat uh, dominoes. Your human body's not conditioned <laughs> yeah. to that. There are plenty of people whose human bodies are conditioned to no, that. My, my, the human body isn't made to be put through that. People have taught their body how to do it, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed oh, to be it's on a, the it's couch. It's a fabulous machine. On. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get mine there. So one of the, the bets that we made, and this is one there where you felt very passionate, was you were all over Michigan coming back off of losing uh, you know off of losing to Michigan State you thought Michigan was going to come back and beat Indiana they didn't we talked on Saturday night about what that means ultimately for the program but this is one of those weird Vegas ones that uh, you're going to have to explain this to me how did Michigan open as a three-point favorite against Wisconsin this well, week I think it's just because we don't know who's playing and who's not for Wisconsin right like I they have like 20 guys still missing, I think, or something crazy like that. So, you know, to me, I don't know if you could lay four points or four and a half the way it is right now or give. I don't know what side you put it on if you don't even know who's playing. <laughs> it's like, I mean, do they even know if Mertz is playing? Well, no, we don't know any of that. It, it's a 21-day deal after you test positive. But remember, Wisconsin played on a Friday. So it would have been 21 days. So I, I don't know. I, and, and doesn't it I'm, – I'm thinking back to the Trevor Lawrence thing, and I, I realize everybody's protocol is different, but the, the date is retroactive to the, the date you first experienced symptoms. So yeah. that's when your clock starts. So I, I don't know. I would assume somebody knows something, judging by how this line has flipped over a touchdown during the week. It is now yeah. Wisconsin minus four and a half. Yeah, I uh... – I know one thing. If you uh, are confident enough that Wisconsin top to bottom is a better football team than Michigan, considering the fact that Michigan's been in shambles, it might be like a fun play. Listen, Andy, I'm 0-3 in Michigan games this year, uh, knowing full well who's playing. So I might as well just, you know, pick a game or pick a side on this game and and roll with it. And, you know, if you... I don't know how many players does a team have to have healthy to go ready to play where you think they can play an effective football game. 60 scholarship players. I mean, that's still so few. I don't even know what the right number would be. And if if they're playing with 22 or 23 less guys on Saturday, I wouldn't lay a single point to anybody. I mean, that's, that's, that's not, that's not a conducive environment for effective. So they picked, they picked 53, which wasn't arbitrary. That's, they, they pick 53 because that's the number the NFL uses mm-hmm. for a roster. But I think you're right. It, 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 with college guys, it's a little bit different. You know, NFL guys, you, you have a baseline idea of how talented everybody is because they're already in the NFL. They've been thoroughly evaluated. Uh, in college, there are recruiting misses. Once you get down to about 60 scholarship players, you don't re- really know what you've got, and especially if some of your, your big guys are out. So, yeah, you know, at 60 yeah, at 53 – if you had a 25-man recruiting class, depending on who's out, a quarter of your team before you even get out of the gates hasn't even played a down of football yet. 
So then you start taking people out of the equation and at 22, and then you add in the fact that maybe a, a large portion of the people who remain are freshmen. You don't really have a full team. This, by the way, is why eligibility does not count this year because <laughs> you're going to have some situations where you got to play some young guys who haven't played before. And 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 look, the, some of these games are going to get weird. And What did we say before the season started and, and as the season got started? Everyone's doing the best they can. And... You know, when you look at what happened in the SEC this week with four games postponed, at least they're 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 still trying to play. They're doing the best they can at Wisconsin and at some of these other schools that have had outbreaks and and are trying to get back. Because when you think about Wisconsin, you play that game against Illinois, you're so excited, everything is great. You know, it looks like Graham Mertz is going to be a huge star in the future, and then all of a sudden, everything comes to a grinding halt, and they have not played. In three weeks at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering now that, you know, cancellations have been a constant, Andy, throughout the entire year. They've happened sporadically, at least in the first month when the first three conferences were playing and then, you know, more and more lately. But I'm just wondering, is your feel on the um, likelihood of this season actually finishing changed at all with this? Because I, I saw Sankey uh, said that they were – brought down a little bit, but not deterred. And I'm just wondering like where your mind is right now watching all this happen. I think they're going to have to get through this, this spike right now because we, we kind of should have known this was coming. You know, you looked at the numbers and they were going up nationwide. And so you had to feel like it was going to affect college football. I mean, it just, it's affecting everyone. So I think if they can weather this spike, which would, it probably if they can get to about Thanksgiving week and they're still still chugging along, then they're probably going to be okay. Because you think about, you know, once you get to the week of Thanksgiving, the, the campuses that have students on campus, those students are going home. A lot of schools have set up their winter breaks so that they start with Thanksgiving, that they're they're taking finals and they're out and they won't be back till January. So I think if they can get through these next couple of weeks, they're going to make it. It's just... It, there, there's going to have to be, as Greg Sankey mentioned, some flexibility because, you know, I, the SEC to this point has not had a game it couldn't reschedule. Now it's got a few that we don't know where they're going to get rescheduled. They are also, you know, they're going to do what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are doing where you take the championship game day and if you're not in the championship game, you might be playing that day. So that's the that's the weekend that they've kind of set aside to use for flexibility purposes but the thing is, now you've got a, a Florida game that's been postponed. You've got an Alabama game that's been postponed. Those are the two teams you think are going to be playing the championship game. So is everybody going to play 10 regular season games? I don't know. And does it really matter if they do? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, best you can, right? I And I think yeah. that the, the, the thing that we've been trying to stress, I think, is just to let people know that it's not going to work out perfectly and it's not going to be everybody plays 10 games and everybody gets them in. You have to accept the fact that some teams might play six, some might play 10, some might play five, and we have to do the best that we can in evaluating those teams as it, as it pertains to the college football playoff. Now, I don't know if there's any possible way that they would consider moving things back a few weeks just to give them a little bit more time breathing room-wise. I think that you could play the national championship game at the end of January or at the beginning of February. Worst came the worst because the teams that you know are in it, it's only going to affect four four teams. And well, I, I think you have to have a plan for that 
not not just because you want to move stuff back to to reschedule games during the regular season, but you have to have a plan in case the playoff gets picked and then there's an outbreak on one of the playoff teams. Absolutely. Like, what are you going to do? Not have the playoff at that point or or just advance somebody to the national title game that didn't play? Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to do that. I think you're just going to you're going to say, "Well, we can't play right now, so we're going to set it we're, we're going to move it and and play at this date." I don't know how possible this is because there's so much more to it than that, but I don't know if it's if they're going to be able to bubble these teams in the playoff once that happens. Well, I don't, not if you're going to have one game in New Orleans and one game in L.A. and one game in Miami. What I was thinking, and I wrote about this in Dear Andy on Thursday, is if you want to do a bubble, then then probably you'd want to really compress everything. So you could keep – now, here's the thing. If you're going to do a bubble, you don't have to worry about the first. You don't have to worry about the Rose Bowl. And you don't have to worry about the Sugar Bowl. You kind of figure out where you want to put it. And I would say put it in a dome somewhere where that way, if you've got issues with an NFL team or, you know, they, they can change, the, they can flip the field, flip the format quickly. It's not an issue. That's the one thing I worry about with Miami. The Dolphins are going to make the playoffs, it looks like. I don't know that they'd be playing a home game that late in the playoffs, but uh, you don't want to have to play a national title game a day but after they played a, a home game there. Who Just play the games on weeknights. Does it really matter? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I I don't think it matters either. And you know, the the first is a Friday, which if it's on the first, that's great. It's a national holiday. But let's say you got to move it a week, and maybe you don't want to do it on the eighth because that's a Friday. And also, you wouldn't want to put the semis on the same day because we saw what happened when they were on New Year's Eve and people had to go to work at like you know when you have a game starting at four o'clock Eastern and one o'clock on the West Coast, that doesn't work. So I'd say if you want to bubble it. You do. I'm, I'm calling out my calendar here to get the dates exactly right. But you would go that that next week. So if you let's say you had to move things and you wanted to bubble it, I would say play us one semi on Monday the 11th, play another semi on Monday the 12th, play the national championship game on the 18th. That way you you, you keep the bubble for the shortest amount of time. Yeah. And yes, yeah, somebody's gonna only get six days to prepare for the national title game. Tough noogies. There's a pandemic. Yeah, and then both teams would also have to, you know, six and then seven. So I mean, I, maybe you can like work that out based on seating the team that the two teams that yeah. are seated, or, or figure out a way to make it so it's a rational thing. Well, and, the, the one the one seed would the one seed would get to play on Monday. So presumably, if the one seed wins, they're the highest. Then they're seed. the they highest the seed. They get to go exactly. And yeah. you know, I don't know if there's just too many people involved between film. Like it's not basketball where you just need a court. In one conference room right. for the eleven. I mean, you're talking about four teams is a lot. That's like of people. That's what's that? A thousand people? Is that too yes. many? Or I mean, when you start talking about trainers, support staff, coaching staff, maybe family members if they're allowed to be in the bubble. It, I, I don't know. It's it's not too many if it's just those people and it's just for that time period. Because remember, two teams are leaving after the first sure. period of it. So yeah, that that's. So you're only keeping two teams for the long period of time, and it's not nearly. I mean, the NBA bubble went for three months. That just, was <laughs> that was a different deal. I just I know that this is a logistical nightmare, and I know that it's really hard to kind of grasp. But if you really sat down and the people in charge and the administrators and the college football playoff committee and all the people who were making these decisions sat down in a conference room and just said, "This is a disaster. Here's what we need to do. We need to create more flex." And push this season back three weeks. Give more time 
to make up games in order for everybody to get to a certain threshold to be considered for the playoff and then make a flex situation for a bubble. It's doable if you make a plan. The problem that college football had at the beginning of this is that there was no plan. And then when they finally made a plan, it made no sense. So I <laughs> well, think and, that, and no one will work together. That's the other yeah. problem. And it's it just like they've come this far. If they don't make it through the season, that would be unbelievable. You know, and it's just well, the, here, here's 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 the deal. The college football playoff is their excuse to work together. It's their financial reason exactly, to work together. Exactly. They all they're all part of it. They're all all these conferences are partners in it. They run it. They make more money together if they have an organized plan, if they can work together. So uh, before there was no financial incentive to work together. Now there is. So hopefully that will cause them to do that. Let's let's talk about these actual games that are getting played, though, Ari, because there, there are some intriguing ones this week. And we'll start with the team that was the story of last week, Notre Dame. They're going to Boston College. They're going to face their their former quarterback, Phil Yurkovic, who was a backup at Notre Dame, uh, talked this week about how he almost switched positions so he could stay at Notre Dame because he loved it there, but wanted to play quarterback, and now he's at Boston College, and Jeff Athley's team has been a, a very frisky underdog when it's been an underdog this year and, and been very good otherwise. They are a 13.5-point underdog to the Fighting Irish, and those of us who remember 1993, you know, my sophomore year in high school, Snoop Dogg's first solo album is about to come out. Notre Dame beats Florida State and Charlie Ward. And uh-oh, here comes Boston College. It, and it's it feels a little like that, even though, obviously, it's been a lifetime since then. Yeah, I think that it's going to be just hard to to put yourself back in the shoes of questioning whether Notre Dame is good. You know, it's a very easy. Oh, I, I don't think you can because of the yeah. way they beat Clemson. Right. And it's one thing if they would have won an emotional game and it was sloppy and Clemson clearly played poorly. But I thought that the way that that game looked on Saturday was Notre Dame. The version of Notre Dame on that field that day was better than the version of Clemson. That doesn't mean that Notre Dame is better than Clemson when everybody's healthy and things are going 100%. But they looked athletically better than we would have thought, I think. So and I think the line of scrimmage was where where you saw and the they beat them difference. on both and sides. That travels, you know that yeah. that works against anybody. <laughs> That's yeah. not, and it's also one of those that when that works, you are much less susceptible to upset because most teams cannot recreate that. Absolutely, I agree with you one hundred percent. And the fact that they were able to do it against the athletic um, athletes that Clemson has on their lines. Granted, they were missing a few guys in their defensive line, but they've got really really good players. And for them to get manhandled the way that they did, I can't imagine thinking that Notre Dame is just going to turn around and and have a a clunker against Boston College. Now, this seems to be the toughest upset spot possible because BC isn't great, but it's not terrible. And they have a pretty clever coach, and their quarterback is a really good athlete. Um, Funny story, when I was in high school, I pitched a uh, story to my editor to go to Pittsburgh when uh, Phil Trakovic was in high school and write a story comparing him to Terrell Pryor athletically because he's like this this big Pittsburgh area quarterback and I don't think people realize right. how good freak he is. athlete he's yeah. a really big freak athlete um well and I mean he, he could have switched to another position at Notre Dame that should tell yeah. you how good of an athlete yeah he is. so I, I didn't end up going and I was upset about that because that would have been a great story but he he is somebody that is consistently making plays and I think that BC can has shown this year that they can be dangerous 
mean, they showed they were dangerous against uh, the same Clemson team. Clemson. That Notre Dame is getting all this credit for. So, I don't know, 13 and a half seems like a lot. I don't know if it's too much. I, I would be more inclined to take BC maybe if it was 14 and a half. That one extra point would really make me feel better about it. But, you know, given the way that Notre Dame is playing right now, I don't know that I want to put myself in a position to doubt them again until they're playing Clemson again or Alabama or something like that. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they earned that from me. we got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Here's another weird line. This one, this one, I, I saw it and I, I had to go check another website to see if they typed it in wrong yeah. on the first website. Yep. Miami at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech opened as a two-point favorite. And you figure, okay, the gamblers will correct this. No, they've bet it to, to Virginia Tech being now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Virginia Tech just lost to Liberty. Liberty. And Liberty, Miami Liberty, is significantly Liberty. better than Liberty. <laughs> Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Um, well, and here's here's the other thing. Malik Willis and De'Eric King, they train together in the offseason. So Malik Willis, the Liberty quarterback, can be like, hey, when, when you're playing their D, here's what you need to do. Here's what I'm going to tell you. And I don't know if you ever listened to the our friends, uh, the Bear and Stanford Steve's podcast over at ESPN, but they do a segment that I think is really funny called um, – the lines that stink. <laughs> this one reeks, and I think everybody yeah, there's something up. I think that there, uh, the natural inclination is that everybody's just going to hop on Miami. Uh, I'm going to take points from a team that just lost to Liberty. They're going to lay points. Oh, Miami's an easy play here. I would bet Virginia Tech because it doesn't make sense. And when things don't make sense, it usually is a reason for it. And maybe Liberty's a little bit better. We were talking last week about maybe them being some Liberty's new blood. Good. They're pretty good. I don't yeah. know if it's like the worst. It looks bad on paper, but it's not as bad as it might seem. Well, and, and and Miami's defense gave you some reason for concern against NC State. Like, NC State should not have been able to move the ball that easily against Miami without, you know, with with Bailey Hockman rather than Devin Leary playing quarterback. That was that was a little bit troubling for Miami. I mean, their offense bailed them out in that game, but Miami's defense had always been the the thing that that kept Miami going when their offense stunk. Their defense was going to be fine, and now that their offense is good, it's crazy to see their defense have have bad games like that. Yeah, and actually, it might sound funny. And if you go look at the uh, standings, I don't think that Virginia Tech they're four and two in the ACC. They're very much alive at home in the ACC race. I think they might need some help. They need to win some games and. You know, I have to I think they have a wonderful game against Clemson coming up. So, you know, you know what that means. But 
for the time being, the two losses that they have are, are or the three losses that they have, only two of them are from the ACC. So, you know, if they somehow are able to beat a top 10 Miami team at home, that kind of gives them some some juice going into the pit game next week. And we know that anything could happen on that field that day. I'm not even <laughs> going to talk about it. And then, Is it? <laughs> you know, I don't know. A, a team that's confident coming off of a, a tough loss, maybe they're not confident at all because they just got beaten by Liberty. But I, I'm trying to rationalize this because if I were to bet this game, I would bet Virginia Tech because it doesn't make sense. It is. It is very odd. I, I this one. I just feel like I don't know. It, I feel like they're they're trying to outthink themselves here. That <laughs> yeah, Virginia Tech because and Virginia Tech has been very variable because they you know beat NC State. Yeah, uh, I mean they, they lose to Liberty. They it, nothing they do. They like, beat when they BC beat by a hundred. They had nobody playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, they they beat Boston College forty to fourteen. I think that's like the highlight of their season right now, yeah. probably. I don't know, man. It. Yeah. I, I learned my lesson a long time ago. If something stinks, there's a reason it stinks, and this one stinks. Yeah, I, I just don't know what what I feel like. Everyone's overthinking this, so I would take Miami. I don't feel strongly enough to put some. Uh, to put some skin. I was going to say you want you want to you want to <laughs> learn your lesson about stinky lines. <laughs> no, no, because I, I watched I watched Miami against NC State and I thought we were go- I thought we were going towards me. a bet there, Andy. I thought we were getting there. We it, I, I thought about it. I was I was nudging that way, but then I I had flashbacks to, to last Friday night watching Miami play NC State and th- thought. Mm, ah, do they have Jack in the Box in um, Florida? They do not, but you know, th- there's. They have very similar iterations. The reason why I'm asking is because they have this little thing called mini tacos. And they're just like a fast food taco, but mini that you can bite sized. Right. And I was at a bar with my friend a few weeks ago, and he said that he thinks he could eat 100 of them. And I was just thinking, <laughs> how many tacos? I'm how not going to bet ta- that I can eat 100 of anything. <laughs> well, in, in Florida, it would be it would be either crystal hamburgers or, or crystal chili cheese pups. How many crystal cheeseburgers do you think you could eat? That's just White Castle, well, right? It's the same thing, right? Same thing, yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I have overestimated before. So I, now I want to. I feel like I should go on the low end. Did I just rattle your, like your your food confidence? I feel bad about well, that. We got to get not, it back for you. Not, no, it's not even that. I, I don't think it's you. I think the way I've been eating since January, it's just not going to happen again. I'm not going to be able to eat like that anymore. That's too bad. I, I just because I don't <laughs> eat for. You know, 16 hours a day, some days 17, 18 hours a day, and my stomach's just never going to get that big. So, do you do you like, think that get, you could re um, conquer the Chompy's meal that you ate the and do that again right now, or do you think that you can't even do that no, anymore? Probably not. And yeah. and again, that's probably that good for gift. me. I mean, so I stepped on the scale on Wednesday. It was the first time in I think 10 years that. I had been below 240. I was like 239.6. So I, that that's the thing. I, I'm happy to be headed down that direction. And if that means I can't eat impressively enough anymore, I'm willing to let that go. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, like, would you rather look good and be healthy or would you rather be able to eat large amounts of food? I think it's it's a bigger debate than you're making it seem to be. No, it's really not. <laughs> 
I'm just trying to like get you to do another eating challenge, man. And you're you're not playing with me. One seems to make my wife much happier than the other, so I think I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, I'm now living with a girl for the first time in my life, and I'm about four months into it, and I'm starting to realize how important being healthy is. So. Yeah, you didn't I, have I that personal trainer when you weren't living with her. Uh-uh, no. Funny how that works. I also had a lot more money in my bank account when I wasn't living with her, too, because this trainer ain't cheap, but uh, the, it makes it, her happy. It's going to be worth it. It's like it makes her actually happy. Penny. Yeah, no, we're working on <laughs> yeah, it. Which is why right, I don't let, do eating challenges when we lose a bet. I do the physical ones, or I do something else, like where I drink uh, yeah. terrible beer, and then you do the ones where you stuff your face with 100 chicken nuggets. <laughs> well, we might have to – and the, the other thing is we could try, like, the spicy challenges – uh, some guy on Twitter kept sending me pictures of, of the one chip challenge. Like there's some ghost pepper potato chip where you, you can only eat one. <laughs> there's one in the whole box. That would be but so I've never terrible. Been, you want to do that? No, I've never been great at the spicy one. So I, I like spicy food, but the, the just the stunt spicy, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna, hey, dude, let's do a stunt spicy challenge. I'll do it with you. I'm not very good at spicy either, but on this Virginia Tech Miami game. All right, all right, all right. Fine, fine, fine. We'll we'll order these potato chips, the the, the one chip that that melts your 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 mouth. All right, I will take Miami plus two and a half. Or you got Virginia Tech? <laughs> what is this chip? I got to go buy it now. Uh, I'll find it. it. Okay, it was sent to us on the internet. It is it is like one tortilla chip in a box, <laughs> and it's <laughs> apparently awful. Oh my so, god. <laughs> I'm actually more nervous about that than the push-ups. <laughs> well, you should be. I, I like, I've avoided you, the spicy challenges. I'm trying to teach you a lesson because you you don't know what smelly lines I are like. Don't understand stinky lines. So you can, you can right. understand pit <laughs> because of of mayo, and now you're going to understand stinky lines because of the spice that's going to come rock your world. Oh. oh. <laughs> What have I done? No, I, I listen. I'm actually nervous I'm too. Though, Manny, if I have to do I'm it. I'm texting Manny Diaz right now. You'd better win this thing, <laughs> or lose by two or less, please. They played on <laughs> Friday last ask. week, didn't they? They did. So they had an extra day to rest and prepare for it. Let's go. Um, I, I gotta go do yeah. some research on this chip. I need to get milk and everything, right? Because milk's what you need to have. Oh, I think milk. Maybe it's like a stick of butter to just put in your mouth and and let it let it heal. Man, that's, nature. Uh, nature is healing at that point. All right, let's let's talk about some other games because there 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 are, in spite of the news out of the SEC this week, games being played this weekend. Uh, we'll stay in the big, we'll, we'll move back to the Big Ten. Our friends at Nine Windiana, Ari, they're on a roll, and now they they've gotten gotten to the point where they have real expectations following them. The Hoosiers are a touchdown favorite. At Michigan State, do you think they can handle the pressure of expectations now? I just looked at this chip, Andy. I'm sorry. I- I'm terrible. It's the $20 for one chip. <laughs> it's $20. <laughs> um, yeah, I do think that Indiana is going to handle the pressure because you want to know what, Andy? With Ohio State's football game being canceled against Maryland on Saturday, if Indiana wins at Michigan State, they will come into Ohio Stadium in mid to late November as the sole first place team of the Big Ten East. Nine Windiana, baby. Wow. 
Here's wow. what's going to happen. Indiana's going to cover the spread. Um, I, I think that Michigan State is very poor. I kind of don't know because how did Michigan State beat Michigan? Can we, I don't want to go down that road. I, I still don't understand uh, that. Michigan's not that good? No, I know, but Michigan State's a special type of bad this year. So I, I don't know. I think that Indiana is going to boat race them. I think they're going to win by two scores. And then the following week, the spread of the Ohio State game is going to be like 10 or 10 and a half. And then everybody's going to make a million dollars because Ohio State's going to beat them by 100. Yeah. Yeah. This is so the Tom Allen thing, his teams are always well prepared. They don't, they, they seem to do the thing you expect them to do most times, which I think is, is the mark of a pretty good coach. And, you know, that I think with Michigan State, you, you say, how do they beat Michigan? I think Mel Tucker might be a good big game coach. You know, we don't have a huge sample size, but I go back to last year when Colorado played Nebraska and, and Colorado wasn't given a chance by anybody and they win that game. And then and then the Michigan State beats Michigan this year. I think regardless of the talent he has, he's it seems like he's capable of getting getting a team up for that one game. We'll see what happens when he actually gets the kind of talent he wants in there. I, I think that bodes well for the future for Michigan State. But I think you're right. I don't think I don't think they're quite ready to play a team that will just be consistently good and and beat them. And that's what Indiana's gonna be. They are gonna be they're gonna be what you saw against Michigan last week, which is pretty steady. If you score on them, they're gonna be able to answer. Uh they've got athletic receivers. I, I think uh I think Filior and Freifogel are, are are fantastic. And Penix, you know, he, he didn't play well in that Penn State game. They didn't need him to do much against Rutgers. He showed you what he could do against against Michigan. So, I think you're right. I, I'm I'm interested to see Indiana and 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 what they do this week and how that affects what people think about Ohio State and Indiana next week. But I, I'm with you on that. I the thing about Ohio State and Indiana is if Indiana comes in undefeated and it's the biggest game in school history for Indiana. That unfortunately activates the Buckeyes more. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. you know they, they they don't get surprised. They're like, oh, this team is good. Okay, let's take them seriously and crush them. Yeah, I think it's that's the the problem that Michigan has had um, in the rivalry too is that they can't go into Ohio Stadium or invite Ohio State in and ever lull them to sleep. You know, and I think that there is a major element of being sharp mentally in this sport. I think the hardest thing a coach has to do. Um, as a coach of a powerhouse is to convince or get his team to care every week because yeah, they don't. And we haven't seen sleepy Ohio State under Ryan Day, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it hasn't happened it hasn't once. Happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you could say it It, it might have kind, it kind of happened in the second half against Rutgers, but half their team wasn't playing because the starters were out. So I, I don't know how I would, you know, quantify that. Ohio State's taking care of business under Ryan Day every week. And I think that they're a special type of determined this year because they feel like personally offended that the Big Ten wasn't going to play and potentially cost them a chance at a national title. Um, Lord willing, that game will get will get played. And I, I think that you know I, I would lean towards the home team on that one because again, it's all going to come down to who's got the athletes. And I, I think that Indiana's a fun story, but I don't know if you put them in a big time matchup with a team that's hungry to beat you by a ton that 
you know, it's going to be enough to do it. But, you know, Ohio State has some susceptibility on defense. Uh, I think their running back position lacks explosiveness. And I do think there's some kinks in the armor armor there that you might be able to expose if you're Indiana. Um, but if the spread's anything like 10 or 13 or whatever, less than two touchdowns, I, I'd, I'd lay the points 100% of the time. Let's stay in the Big Ten. We've got the resistible force against the movable object. Somebody's got to win this game. Penn State minus three at Nebraska. Uh, whoever wins this, it will be such a badly needed win. And then whoever loses, it's got to be like, okay, what are we doing here? I am going to pick Nebraska to win this game because I don't. I think that that Penn State's on the verge of falling off the cliff here. Um, they they are in a very bad position. I'm not just talking about the team right now. I'm talking about the future of the program. They had some more bad news this week when Journey Brown learned that his career was injured because of a um, medical issue. They discovered, I think, in September, which is terrible, terrible news, and you feel terrible for the kid because you don't ever want to see somebody's dream get taken away. And, you know, not that that has anything to do with the game, but I just don't know that I have confidence at all in Penn State's ability to be a functional football team right now. And, like, I know that Maryland has some guys on offense, and I was certainly excited to watch Maryland play Ohio State's defense to, A, learn about how legit Maryland might be on offense and, you know. Well, yeah, Rakeem Jarrett showing exactly what what he what he was supposed to be as a five-star receiver. So, yeah. But, yeah, the, the Penn State thing is it – I don't know that it's a – the future of the program hangs in the balance with Penn State. I think this just may be one of those years that it's just not going to work out. And then you have those years. Well, let me tell you, Andy, and I don't know if you read this. Um, I wrote this yesterday or whatever day it was, Wednesday. Of the top 10 players in the state of Pennsylvania in the 2021 class, guess how many commitments Penn State has from those players? Uh, I know it was zero of ten of the top 10. Yeah, Is it zero it's still of zero. 20? And now they're all, did I say top 20? I, I, yeah, I was top uh, I meant top ten. Um, they have more. Okay, they have a yeah. few in the top twenty, but the top ten is zero. And the reason why I bring that stat back up, Andy, is because Derek Davis Jr., uh, top fifty player out of Pittsburgh, just committed to LSU last Saturday, and that was like Penn State's last chance of getting an elite level Pennsylvania prospect in their class. And right now, they only have one top two hundred and fifty player in their entire twenty twenty one class, and it's an offensive guard. So I don't know. You know what you think about the future of this program. I don't know if this is just a blip on the radar, but in terms of tr- you're not only trending down in an zero and three start, you're trending down on the talent you're bringing into your program. And as y- you know quite well, one bad class can mess up things pretty good. And because yeah, you have to, you know, may, I, I don't it know. Maybe that it requires a reboot after this year. You know, like Notre Dame had a few years ago. Yeah, I don't even know, like what, like how. On a scale from 1 to 10, when you look at Penn State's situation right now with what I just told you, a recruiting class outside of the top 30, um, Ohio State's about to sign potentially the best class in the history of recruiting. What is your take on how alarmed you would be as a Penn State fan moving forward? Because I would be pretty alarmed. And I don't know exactly. I would be very alarmed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think it's just like, oh, they've had a bad start and a weird year. Everything's fine. It's like their team becomes less talented after this year, too. Yeah, I I just I don't feel like giving up completely on them because that staff has won a lot of games and they've, they've, they 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 kind of were the only one to crack Ohio State during that period. So I, I feel like we have to give them some benefit of the doubt. But absolutely, it, it is it is very concerning, and there may have to be 
like I said, some sort of reboot situation following this year, especially in the recruiting apparatus. You know, you can't have this. You can't have is it's sort of like when when Texas was having all the best players in Texas leaving Texas. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that well, and that that was an A and M problem as well. And but yeah, I, you've got to be able to get especially like Penn State should be the best recruiting program on the Eastern Seaboard. There was a class they they signed a few years ago where they got the number one player in Pennsylvania, the number one player in New Jersey, the number one player in Maryland. I think like that should be Penn State's goal every year. Yeah, I, I I think Pennsylvania, Andy, is an inherently tough state to recruit because I think that it's a long state. We like to talk about long states. It's a very yeah, long I, state. I, I talk about that with Tennessee all the time. Yeah. It's it's hard to defend your borders when you're bordered by so many different states. And yeah, it's just as easy to drive. So like if you live in Pittsburgh, it's pretty easy to drive to Columbus. I've made that drive. before. Yeah, it's two and a half hours. It's not bad at all. Yeah, it's much easier. I would say it's easier to drive to Columbus than it is to State College. It is because State College is up in the mountains. Yeah, and so, it's just I mean, like when you talk about the state of Pennsylvania, State College in general is a rural area, and it's really hard to get to because it's just kind of like a, a drive that you have to – it's same distance, but it, you have to be alert. And Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are the two major cities of Pennsylvania, and both of those state uh, cities are very different places. And it, you could make the argument that Pittsburgh is closer and more convenient to Columbus than it is to Pennsylvania. So when you no, talk about keeping players at home, I know it's 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 more difficult than it is just the phrase "keep players at home." But at the same time, if you're James Franklin and that's the program, you can't go zero for ten. I mean, there, there's absolutely no excuse for it. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm not putting anybody on the hot seat. That's not my place to put anybody on the hot seat. But that almost to me would be a fireable offense. Because you're you're in a position now where you're here's how I view rosters too. If you have a four classes on your team, maybe five, depending on how your roster shakes out, you average your recruiting classes from those four or five years, and then whatever the average of those recruiting classes are is roughly where I think you would be in the rankings. And I know that sounds nuts, but it kind of works out that way. Sometimes teams overachieve, sometimes they underachieve. But if Penn State was 12, 14, 16, or whatever they were, and then you add in like 32, like you go from being uh, on that fringe group that we always talk about of Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame, that second-tier group that's trying to catch the Alabamas and Clemsons, and then you put yourself in a position where you're in the back end of the 20s potentially or in the mid-20s, and then your entire program outlook is different. I think it takes one weird class to kind of mess things up. And right now that's what's happening here. So I don't want to be an alarmist. I don't want to act like Penn state's entire program is falling apart, but I think what is happening right now is very concerning. If you're a Penn state fan, uh, both on the field and in recruiting. Well, they are playing a team that also is very concerned about the future of the program. Yes. Uh, And more immediately, they're concerned about the quarterback position. You saw Luke McCaffrey in at the end of the Northwestern game for Nebraska. That suggested to me that, Scott Frost is is very seriously considering making a change. Do you think Luke McCaffrey winds up taking the first snap on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. I I, uh, I like that kid. I don't know how many McCaffrey bro- uh, brothers there are, but you know, I, I thought that they made some nice plays against Ohio State. And I don't know what happened to Adrian Martinez. It was such a 
wonderful idea in the beginning of, of his career, and he was so good early on. And it's a shame that it hasn't quite progressed to the way it was because I was hoping that by this year, his trajectory, that he would be one of the best quarterbacks in America. Well, and he was Frost's signature recruit when he got there. It was sort right. of the, the the Nebraska version of Frost bringing McKenzie Milton into to UCF, but it just hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, and you know sometimes when you're an athletic player that just provides a spark, there's a difference between being that and being a really good quarterback. And I don't know if he's found the rhythm of what it means to be a good quarterback. And McCaffrey is also every bit as fast, it seems like, as him. And from the reports that we had from Mitch Sherman and some of the stuff coming out of Nebraska in the fall, it was like McCaffrey was playing every bit as well, if not better than him at times during fall camp. And if he was doing that, then there and there was concern about who was going to start before it. And then you see the spark on the field now. I mean, I don't even know how you don't give that kid a chance. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's at least try it. See if it works. You know, Penn State's in, in a bad spot right now, so – You've got a chance to win this game, and and you badly need to win because if you can't win this one, it gets pretty tough. So let's let's move. The, but who the do you SEC think needs to win more? Who do you think needs to win more? I don't mean to interrupt you, but like that's a very interesting oh, discussion ahead. to me. Who do you think has to win this okay, game? Who, I I still think Nebraska needs to win it more because Penn State can still say, "Well, look at all those New York New Year's Six bowl appearances. Look at that Big Ten title a few years ago." Nebraska can't say anything like that. Nebraska needs some spark of hope or they're going to start saying, wait, maybe this guy isn't going to work either. And this guy was supposed to be guaranteed to work. Yeah, just two different ends of the spectrum. It's the team that already reached expectations that's falling from them or the team that's trying to reach for them and isn't isn't making it. And I think there's more pressure on the way down than on the way up. So I think that James Franklin has to absolutely win this game so people just don't go berserk. And it's just like if, yeah, if they're if, gonna go berserk anyway, but he's got proof of concept on his side. If Nebraska wins the, loses the game, though, it's just par for the course. It, it is, but they didn't think the they didn't think par was gonna be here with Scott Frost. They yeah. thought par would be set somewhere else. And that's that's the biggest problem there. I, I don't think it's a great situation. Either way. Yeah, me neither. I think uh, you're <laughs> going to have a bad. fan base going yeah. nuts either way. But this is this is really when, – when Scott Frost got hired at Nebraska, if I told you in 2020 a completely defeated Penn State will play a completely defeated Nebraska and both teams will be trying to get their first win and somebody's going to be even worse off afterward, you wouldn't have believed me. I would have believed you on one side. Yeah, the Nebraska part. Okay, but yeah, I, I, but you I, wouldn't you, you wouldn't believe me about Penn State. You know, Landis on our podcast called Penn State starting zero and two before the season, and I thought that was like a really good piece of analysis on his part. And he wasn't doing it to be funny. If he, if he called the Maryland game, I'd be more impressed. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, calling Indiana to beat Penn State is a pretty bold thing to do before you see it, in my opinion. And even, oh, even yeah. so, and it, and it was not easy to do for Indiana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took every inch, literally, of that of that game and that effort to do that. But you know, Nebraska to me is a little bit worse off than what their talent indicates. I just feel like I don't care how exciting it was when they hired Scott Frost. I just think there's a certain bit of reality there where Nebraska fans, who have done a pretty good job of recalibrating their expectations from nation's elite to middle tier top 25. I I think so. I think they need to recalibrate down a little bit more even. 
because if they're expecting wow. to beat the Penn States and the Ohio States of this conference um, and, and to be competitive with the Michigan and Wisconsin's, I, I think that that's a little bit too much to ask as well, too. I mean, I don't know. I know the guy, Scott Frost, did a great job at UCF, and they won a national title and whatever you want to say about that. They won undefeated, and you know, you you laid out your wonderful recruiting plan of what he could brought to Nebraska last week's show at the Corn Maze. Just just sign the same players you would have signed at UCF. I get not, that. Not like not players like those. The same ones. Yeah, maybe that would work. I don't know. I just don't know what the functional, actual recruiting plan is because they are in no man's land. And as yeah, we're you coming, wouldn't, to- you wouldn't you wouldn't beat Ohio State with my plan. You'd beat the holy hell out of Purdue, though. Yeah, you would. And I don't know if they want to beat Penn State, but Andy, like I wrote this last week and it was the five programs that have the least path to resistance of signing uh, top five or top 10 classes. And if you go look at the programs on that list, I'm sure you can guess them if you didn't even read it off the top of your head. And like it's just kind of a reminding force that being good in college football is so much about recruiting, but so much even about the fortune that your program has in terms of geographical connection to talent. I mean, Ohio State was one, Georgia was one B, LSU was one C, USC was four, and five was Texas. And it's just like some of those programs are down right now, but it's like no crap those teams have always been good historically or or have been uh, higher tier programs because they've got access to players. And Nebraska, the one recruiting tool that they did have at a certain time when when they were in the Big Ten was to recruit the state of Texas. And I don't know how successful they can be in Texas now with a Big Ten schedule because you can't drive to Lincoln, can you? Like, how far is Lincoln from Dallas? And that's the most northern city. It's a long drive. It's about eight hours. And you can't even sell your, you can't even sell the family members of, hey, you can come see five games a year because we'll be on the road and Texas five times a year because we're playing all these teams in the, in the area. And I, and that's the other thing that West Virginia, I think, has a hard time with. West Virginia, though, though having proximity to the East Coast and is a, a short drive away from Ohio, doesn't belong in its own conference footprint. And you can't make a drive. Fans can't drive a single away game in the conference from West Virginia to to any team that they play in the Big 12. And it just when you look at the way things are going for certain programs, you can make a, a direct line between fortune and geography and how they're doing on the field. And I hate to oversimplify it, but the teams that have the best geographical advantages are the best teams in the sport. And Nebraska is one of the worst in terms of misfortune in geography we got to pay some bills we'll be right back later in the show ari and i get very carb heavy looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events we've got the spot our partner StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years providing a 100 guarantee with every order from a worldwide selection of live events the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Well, let's let's move now to the SEC and talk about a team that does have a geographical advantage that has not been able to take advantage of that de- geographical advantage in the last few years, but now seems to have gone up another notch. Big win last week for Florida. Now you get Arkansas coming in. You get Felipe Franks coming back to play his old team, which when he signed with Arkansas, that wasn't supposed to happen, but then Arkansas got added to the schedule. Uh, 
Florida is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite over the Razorbacks. This feels high if Kyle Pitts doesn't play. Like, I still think Florida wins, but without Pitts, you saw the offense looked a little bit different against Georgia. Do you think having a week without him to just kind of prepare as if he won't play will help that offense kind of get back to as smooth as it was when he was playing? Yeah, I... uh I think I don't know exactly how you were the one who wrote the story and a very popular story about Sam Pittman. He's not going to be around on Saturday. I don't know how much that's going to matter in this game. I think it might matter a lot. Barry, Barry Odom has beaten Florida at Florida Field as a head coach. No, I, I know, but rushed them two years ago the, the at Missouri. Fun, so. The fun thing, though, about this team and following this team this year is that it seems to have bought completely into their leader. Like he became the messenger. Oh, the Arkansas team? Yeah, absolutely. And that leader is not going to be there. So despite the fact that they have, uh, you know, that option or a history in that regard, I don't know that that necessarily means that this isn't going to really hurt them. Now, I'm super excited about Florida. And as we all pointed out after the games on Saturday, I was wrong about the uh, SEC race on this side of the conference. And, you know, they look really good and they have a great quarterback. And I know that Pitts is not going to be available potentially but it just I don't know uh, all the things stack up well you saw you saw Trask hit gamble on a big play in the second half last week so it's not like Florida doesn't have tight ends they can play and the other thing that I thought was interesting with Florida last week is that was the second half for Florida was as complete as we've seen the Florida defense that that is the most Florida defensive players that they thought they'd have at the beginning of the year together at one time and it looked pretty good so I, I don't know. I mean, Georgia obviously had its quarterback issues, but that looked pretty good. Does, so what you may see out of Florida this week is a little better defensive performance, and the offense doesn't have to do as much, even though it probably can. Do you think that um, Florida's win against Georgia last week makes you view the SEC championship race different? Do you think that Florida stacks up to Alabama better now than you would have thought 10 days ago? From a styles make fights perspective, I think Florida is a better match. Florida has a better chance of beating Alabama than Georgia does as currently constituted. Well, you need a quarterback. So that, you know, and that was maybe yeah. my mistake in, in thinking that it was so easy to just pick Georgia to win uh, the conference or to play all this stuff. But, you know, it's just. I still don't think – I'm going to default back. I think Alabama would, would beat them pretty handily. But I don't think that you can walk into any game with Alabama without a quarterback and expect to be competitive. And, and well, Georgia and faked Florida, it for Florida, three quarters. Yeah. yeah. Florida absolutely has a quarterback. They couldn't fake it if they didn't have a, quarter, a quarterback with, with the talent. Nobody can happen. fake they, it. But the thing is, let's say Florida's playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. Pitts will be back. That offense – is a very tough offense to stop. I mean, I think that the SEC championship game with a healthy Florida and a healthy Alabama would be a really big time shootout. I think, you know, both you got both teams in the high thirties and the forties. It would be a, a very fun game to watch. And you'd have all the big 12 fans going, see, you can't play defense in the SEC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like, uh, I just trying to talk myself into Alabama not walking into the playoff, and I guess Florida's my last hope. They are your last hope. And look, when you've got a quarterback, you've got hope. I think that's the the lesson here. And, and 
you know, Florida has not had that. It took it took Trask, you know, taking over for Felipe Franks last year, and he was pretty good last year. But he really made a leap. It's, I hate to to bring the name up because you know the guy was so far and away above everybody else. But Joe Burrow had kind of a similar situation where his first year as a starter at LSU, he's pretty good, and then just lights out the second year. Trask's numbers are are tracking along with Burrow's from last year, which is is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And Burrow's numbers, I thought, would never be caught for until the next wave of offensive style changes. So, you know, I have him in a development. Well, and that's that's the Burrow put them up against really good defenses too. That that that's the part that it's really hard to wrap your brain around how well he played last year. But Pitts is, or I'm sorry, Trask is doing this against. All SEC teams. He had no directional schools to warm up with, uh, so it, it's it's pretty impressive. And and I, I think having watched some very middling quarterback play at the University of Florida for a decade, it's really hey, you watch your mouth. See. Felipe Franks is coming back this weekend for for. I think I think Felipe is a pretty good quarterback. I, I just and I'm glad that he's doing. Well. I actually have a story. If if you're listening to this on Friday, you're reading my Felipe Frank story as well. Uh, this is a guy that I think have always said Florida with Jim McElwain, they played him too early. He needed more time to develop. He did not need to be thrust into the role as a starter, as a redshirt freshman. And I think that hurt him. And now, you know, he's a full grown man. He, he's gotten to go through everything. He's come out the other side, and and I think he's he's the perfect guy for Arkansas right now because you had a program that had not been winning, that didn't know how to win, and you get a coach in in Sam Pittman who does know how to win, and it helps that he brings a quarterback in Felipe Franks who also had to learn how to win because remember, Felipe's redshirt freshman year was the one that got McElwain fired. They were 4-7 and seven that year, and then – his first year with Dan Mullen, they're kind of learning how to win. And and he was the guy as they did that. So I, I think that was the perfect alignment of a new quarterback coming in and being able to say, hey, guys, I've been through this. Yeah. We can do this. Yeah. It's a great point. Um, I, I, I like to see him in a position, too, where he's playing on a, a team that seems to be pretty fun to be a part of. So. You know, it'll be interesting to see if yeah. he can come well, back you, with a little bit. Of listen, a- you can always count on two or three perfect deep balls from Felipe Franks yeah. every game. Also, we need to talk about how he has the best name in college football. Are we going to just a breeze oh, over that? Wonderful! What, what a wonderful, wonderful name, <laughs> Felipe. Yeah. Are, yeah, are, are we getting to the good tremendous. stuff now here? Well, and and here's the thing. I mean, Felipe Franks is is it's pretty amazing athlete when you think about it because the dude got drafted by the Red Sox. He could probably walk onto a pitcher's mound today and throw 92 even though he hasn't played in, in forever what what a thing to have in your back pocket <laughs> 90 plus mile an hour fastball just boom like that yeah yeah no i mean sometimes i like to think about how things would have gone if they had more talent around them or there was a different situation and it just doesn't work out and you know joe burrow is a perfect eye opener of a guy who you know was in a position that wasn't going to be work, uh, wasn't going to work for him. And then he found a new situation and then turned into me potentially the greatest quarterback of all time. And sometimes, and I think what we found and learned about the quarterback position is that it's so much about fit and timing. It's not even so much always about how good you are. It's about going to the right well, exactly. place, the right coach at the right time. 
Well, Felipe Franks was a much bigger recruit than Kyle Trask. They came in yeah. the same class. You know, Franks was the guy they flipped from LSU. Trask was the guy who didn't even start at his own high school, and they took a flyer on. But look what worked out more perfectly. Who's better for Dan Mullen's offense? Clearly Kyle Trask. Well, let me ask you this, because I just wrote the story on Thursday, November 12th. So this came out the day before this podcast came out about the perfect way to recruit a quarterback uh, or to recruit quarterbacks. If you were a head coach, would you go after a five-star quarterback if you could every single class? Or would you go and stagger them so they're not stacked where five-star quarterback to build around three-star guy like Kyle Trask with upside but is content being a backup for a longer than five-star or just five-star, five-star, five-star? I, I, five I, would, five I, would, I would do it. you got got two quarterbacks a class or maybe two quarterbacks every other year with one with a one-year, well, one-quarterback year in between. Because the ideal situation, and I wrote this in 2018 when Clemson beat Syracuse, you have to have a Chase Bryce on your roster. Chase Bryce was a guy who could have gone to a low power five or a, a high group of five school on scholarship out of high school. He instead wanted to go play for Clemson. And thank God he was there when Trevor Lawrence gets hit in the head on the same week that Kelly Bryant left the team because he saved their season. Uh, Mac Jones is that guy. Mac yeah. Jones signed the same year as Tua Tungavailoa, and everybody's like, you'll never play there. And Mac's like, I mm, think I will. And th that type of guy, because that... For continuity on the he, roster? Well, well, that, but also, here's the, the part people don't consider. This is a self-selecting sample. The type of guy who will say, I realize you are taking a generational talent in Tua Tungavailoa in the same class as me, and I don't care. I think I can beat him. That mentality means something. Now, it has to be matched with some physical gifts to, to really blossom, but that means something. But do you know how many That's times that happens and those Jones. guys don't work out? For every Mac Jones, there's like Most six of the other time. people that don't that never Most of the play time. play. But that's why you keep signing them. <laughs> because like <laughs> because, I wrote the story Because eventually here. you get a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones. I asked Dabo Sweeney about this because Dabo in the last few years has seemed to be going every other class. And I said, are you intentionally going for a backup? Especially now that uh, Quinn Ewers decommitted from Texas and now is headed to Ohio State. Ohio State's going to sign two five-star prospects at quarterback in consecutive classes. That's only happened with four different teams since 2000. And I asked Dabo if he's doing that intentionally, and he laughed and he said, no, there's no way I'm doing that intentionally. He said, if I was doing that intentionally, I wouldn't have Trevor Lawrence on my roster right now. And it's like for every crown jewel that you get in a Kyle Trask who comes in and has that mentality that you think is important, and I, I agree with you that it is, you can't turn your back on generational talents that are coming out there. No, no, no. You keep signing. That's what I said. You sign Tua and Mac Jones. You sign Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask because – yeah. That, oh, you mean like a because, secondary quarterback in every class? Yeah, yeah. Not maybe not every class, but every other. Yeah, because then you're like getting into a situation where I mean, I guess with the transfers and stuff that the work numbers numbers would work out. But you know, if you go look at the the here's the four schools that have done this since 2000, Andy. Clemson signed Hunter Johnson in 2017 and Trevor Lawrence in 2018. A&M, Kyle Allen in 14, Kyler Murray, Murray in 15. Notre Dame, we all know Jimmy Clausen, 2007, Dane Christ in 2008. Florida, remarkably, Tim Tebow in 2006, and then they got Brantley and Newton Cam in 2007, Newton. which is the craziest yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life in recruiting. In all four examples, at least one of those players transferred. 
So you yeah. have to like live well, in that, that world where you know there's going to be attrition. So maybe that's where your trask comes into play. Well, but I do that, think that. But that that is that's what it is. You have to accept that people are going to transfer, and it's going to be the four or the five. But star it's who's super hard. It's that's super why you take hard. One of each. It's super hard to get a five star quarterback in consecutive classes because only one plays. So out of maybe the transfer portal is going to change. Uh, the risk that people are willing to make going into college because they know they can just bolt and play somewhere else easily now with the new trend of this. But it's only happened four times in 21 years. Or four different schools have been able to pull this off in 21 years, and Ohio State might be able to be the fifth one if Ewers commits and signs. So it's not like this is a, a common problem. But to me, I I don't understand or I don't think that there are some coaches that will say you should sign a secondary quarterback in there somewhere and you know, hope that it works out like Trask did. But a scholarships are are very valuable, and you can't waste them on players that can't play potentially. But you're not you're not you're not wasting them because the quarterbacks will transfer out when it becomes clear they're not going to play. Unless they're so you're not uh, the situations work themselves out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're able to 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 sign a five star quarterback in every class, then you should do it. I was just writing about the idea that you would on purpose sign a backup quarterback because you want to avoid too many cooks in the kitchen when really you should sign one every year until you find your Trevor Lawrence. And if you're able well, exactly, to do that. But but you need to sign the occasional three-star to go along with your five-star because you might need a Chase Bryce to save you against Syracuse yeah. or he might turn into Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. Yeah, I also think too that in the world of the transfer portal, if you need a three-star prospect – uh, or a, a plug-and-play quarterback because you don't have enough depth in your room, those are readily available everywhere. You can get one. In, in well, they are now. They, and they're re- readily available in every recruiting class. If you're but, Florida, but here's the you thing, can go and get any three-star quarterback. No, you, you really can't because that guy's going to go try to find somewhere he can play right now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of guys. Like Kyle Trask couldn't play anywhere, right? Isn't that this whole thing that he had no scholarship offers and like Florida was by far right. his up? And, but the thing is, you know Kyle many- Trask probably would have been able to transfer and play somewhere. Let's say Felipe Franks had never gotten hurt. Trask could have transferred and played somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying like getting him into the college. Uh, like Kenny Guyton at Ohio State's the perfect example of a guy who was going to go to Sam Houston State or something out of Texas. And Ohio State offered him late. They took him, and then he ended up saving a game for them in 2012 against Purdue. And it's I'm like you can't you, intentionally. That, that's, that's what that person is for. That's why you sign them. If, if it's somebody you you feel like has something you believe in, and that was the case with Kenny Guyton, that was the case with Chase Bryce for Clemson, where you feel like I, I like I think like Alabama recognized that Mac Jones could play right off the bat. They knew they had a quarterback in him. They did not know if he would wind up being the starter at Alabama. They didn't know if he would that he would wind up being as good as he is, but they knew he could play. And if you can get that guy to come to you and hang for a couple of years, then you may have your starter for a year or two, or you may have a guy who can save your butt. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that those guys aren't important because they, they are, and especially in certain situations when they develop into being uh, – the Trask result, which is the best possible result. Um, I'm just saying that I would never think it's a sane discussion to think that as a coach, you should recruit that guy over a five-star if you have the opportunity to take the five-star. I never, I, that was yeah, not I know, the I conversation know. we were having. No, no, I know. I'm just <laughs> making, uh, yeah. You still take the five-star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, under your scenario, though, you're signing uh, over a four-year period. If you're doing two a year and then one or 
Like, what would be the uh, how many quarterbacks do you so bring over in your a four year period? I would sign period. six, six. Yeah, I think that's that's a manageable thing. Yeah, because uh, at least at least three of those guys are transferring. Yeah, so it's it, it's fine. All right, we have a very important yeah. topic to discuss. That was now. a nice conversation. I like when it gets heated with us. I know, I know, but <laughs> no, I'm right. But it's cool. But. Now we have a, a much more important conversation. You wanted to do a random ranking, and you had a fantastic topic. I had not even thought of this. This is a wonderful topic to rank. Best free restaurant bread. Been looking for so here, forward to this all morning. Here are the ground rules. This has to be a chain restaurant that that we can, you know, most of us can go to in America. The bread has to be free of charge when you buy other things and that at no point are they allowed to stop bringing you bread if you keep asking or are they allowed to charge you extra for bread so it has to be the kind of bread that if you want to keep on eating it they're going to keep on bringing it so Ari what is your number five number five restaurant free bread so when you say chain restaurants I have I listed six here just in case have you ever eaten at Mastro's Steakhouse anywhere in Vegas or Phoenix or L.A.? Yes, yes, I, I've Does eaten at Mastro's count? in Anaheim. It's amazing, It's right? a chain. It's, I don't know it's, if it's, it's a, a chain. chain in, it's a West Coast chain, but it's close enough. Yeah, the, the reason why I'm saying it is because everybody's got the... the now, if, the, you're at Ma- if you're at Mastro's, Ari, you're paying for it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, I will take Mastro's off the list. I just wanted to say... It's a really expensive steakhouse. It's a one amazing meal, and they have these like warm pretzel rolls that they bring out free of charge that are super good. But let's just take them off the oh, list. I uh, just, I just, I just had so. Oh no! Did I just realize? I don't know that, what to do with this. Well, no, I just realized there, there is a chain that I hadn't thought about. That's a little pricier, but but fits this. Okay, well, I'm gonna Fogo just, to Fogo to Chow. Those rolls. Yeah. I don't know what's. What's in them? How they make them? Those things are incredible. Yeah. So we're going to give I, them an honorable mention for me. Okay. So honorable mention for Mastro's. Honorable mention for Fogo de Chow. I wonder if we're going to have the same five restaurants just in different order. But my number five is Outback Steakhouse. Those brown rolls that they bring out, um, and the Kookaburra wings. Outback's a sneaky, awesome restaurant. I, I really like it. I mean, I'm a huge fast casual guy to begin with, but like between the they have so many different menu options. They've got great French onion soup. They've got great bread. And that bread, I don't know why it's brown, but it's the butter's good. It's, oh, it's tremendous. It's it a tremendous so loaf of bread. That, so that is a, that's another honorable mention for me. It was close. It almost okay. made it. But my number five, Olive Garden breadsticks. That's, uh, I mean, there's no way that we were going to get through this list without either of them being uh, represented on our lists because oh I, lo- I that's love that's the reason Garden. why we're talking make, about this. You make fun of the Olive Garden all you want. I I, I get you, foodies. Who's food making fun snobs. of Olive Garden? Everyone, everyone in the world, except for people who go to Olive Garden and, and eat unlimited soup salad and breadsticks. You ever heard of the tour Listen. of Italy? Let's go. I mean, you got a lasagna, <laughs> chicken parm, and there uh, a fettuccine on one plate, and you're making fun a, of it. A, a sh- there was an MTV show called Clone High years and years ago, and I, I will. Their description of the Olive Garden was perfect. It's like dining in the kitchen of a delightful Italian stereotype. <laughs> um, but when, I don't care. It's 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 not the place you pick right off the bat, but unlimited soup salad and breadsticks when you are not flush with cash 
That is a gourmet meal. Yeah. Gourmet. One time we were on, a, I was on a road trip with Landis and we were driving on a highway and it was snowing out. It was freezing. I don't remember what game it was, but we were starving and we just covered a game all day. And I was, we were driving and we were driving past an Olive Garden as we were deciding where to go. And I said, Hey, Landis, you want to go over to, to Olive Garden? And he said, without hesitation, didn't even look at me and said it like in a very sincere way. And he goes, well, when you are there, your family like that. And that's his way of confirming. Let's go. <laughs> and I like to this day, I, I he's so sneaky, funny, but like when you're there, your family and Landis, uh, I'll never forget that man. So, but yeah, no, that's a no brainer to be on this list. Okay. You ready for my four? Number four. This one is variety, but cracker barrel has biscuits and corn muffins. And a nice corn right. muffin uh, really gets things going. And the thing I love about Cracker Barrel is that it's cheap and it's variety. So you can have pancakes and a burger and corn muffins all in the same meal at that place. And it's $16. <laughs> uh, like, I, that's a uh, place another, you can get fat. Yeah. Another honorable mention, by the way, that I had, uh, when you mentioned variety popped in my head is Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. Because you've got, got the good. brown bread yeah. and the sourdough. Yeah. So that's another honorable legit. mention for them. Yeah. So number four for me, and I, I think this is probably higher on your list, Cheddar Bay Biscuits at Red Lobster. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your Dude, top Here's three. the thing with I me. What do you All do? of this stuff is my favorite. I love this stuff okay. so much. I, I, like, Yeah, I, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to the top of my list, but you're, uh, yeah, we're, you're disappointing me so far. Okay, number three. Oh, I love Cheddar we'll, Bay We'll get biscuits, more into but, those. But not as, as you, much as the other ones. Yeah. So my number three is Texas Roadhouse. Um, the rolls are made with some sort of sweet dough. I don't know what it is, and they have that cinnamon butter. Put it in my vein. It's I don't yeast. even eat it. I just I don't know what it is. I just like inject Extra it yeast. into my body. Um, so they are, good. They are so the good. they are the natural descendant of the Quincy's Big Fat Yeast Roll. <laughs> and if you never had a Quincy's Big Fat Yeast Roll, I'm sorry, you you just not lived. But we'll get to that when we get a little higher on my list. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Three for you. N- number th- number three for me is the bonefish grill ciabatta. I've never the eaten olive there. oil dipping sauce. It is so good. Oh, just a big hot loaf of ciabatta. You rip it off. You dip it in the uh, in the olive oil and and, yeah. and seasonings, and it is awesome. Yeah, I, I love a good olive oil dip. Um, okay, so my number two is Olive Garden, just because. It's uh, it's a veteran. It's the reason why restaurant, like the first thing you think of when you think of restaurant bread is all you can eat breadsticks. They're delicious. And, you know, it honestly was almost my number one. Uh, the number one uh, and number twos on my list were interchangeable. I'd, I'd say they're 1A and 1B, but two is Olive Garden for me. And when you're there, you're family. So number two for me is Cracker Barrel Biscuits. And I don't even bother with the corn muffins. I know you can get them, but I don't bother with them. I just keep the biscuits coming the entire meal. You're a don't big stop. biscuit guy. And and oh, huge. Huge. How do you think I got so big? Yeah, but like Lots I think of biscuits. biscuits <laughs> I'm going to offend you and you might not even it, Biscuits are great and I love them when they're warm and fresh and I certainly love Popeye's biscuits. But I went to Bojangles and got the biscuit uh sandwich you told me to get and I thought it was awful. And I I think that like I think I would rather have Bojangles, a nice- the Bojangles biscuit quality is hit or miss. If you get good, if you get them on a good day, it's awesome. The the best quality biscuit in the fast food breakfast biscuit world is Hardee's. But the problem is what they fill it with is not. If you could put a Chick Fil A chicken fillet 
or a Bojangles spicy chicken filet, Cajun chicken filet. Inside a Hardee's biscuit, you would have the perfect morning biscuit sandwich. Yeah, I just think that I would put biscuit lower on the hierarchy of like best bread. Um, and I guess that would be another random ranking we can do is just best bread. Yeah, I listen, biscuits I think are are probably the finest form of bread. And so I yeah, I yeah. love biscuits and when I go to Cracker Barrel, I want the biscuits just continuously brought. I want the apple butter and let's go. That's one I, I could not eat a hundred. Let's let's be real here. Probably fifteen yeah. to twenty yeah. in a sitting. Yeah, I think I could, I could eat, probably do that. I think I could eat a absurd amount of all the breads I have on my list. Which all right, brings so we us know to we know one. what number one on your list. Yeah, yeah well, let's do Cheddar it. Cheddar Bay biscuits from Red Lobster. Uh, them being Olive Garden and those being four and five on your list, I think without exaggeration, Andy might be the most disappointed I've been in our random ranking disagreements. Well, they're if way you hadn't too low. noticed when when you hear my number one, you will understand it's it's more of a part of the country thing than anything I know, else. but Red Lobster is the best version of biscuits, which is your thing. Cheddar Bay is not the best version of biscuits. <laughs> it is a great version of biscuits, but it's not the best version of biscuits. So Colton Pouncey, uh, our Michigan State writer, told me once, and this was when I was um, covering Ohio State last year or two years ago. I can't remember how long ago it's been, but Postmates, do they have Postmates in Florida? It's basically Uber they Eats, do. the place that yep. brings you your food, was running a promo a while back where they would bring you Red Lobster Cheddar Bay biscuits only if you wanted them. Like you could just order them and they'd bring them to you for free. And I bought like 12 of them and had them delivered to my house. And I didn't even go to Red Lobster. I got them delivered to me. And I figured if I did something that gluttonous um, that I should at least put them number one on my list because I guarantee you that none of the other ones on this list you've ever eaten alone as as something that you had at your house um, unless you took them home with you. The next... My number one is is the reason I go to this restaurant, or it's actually two different restaurants that do s- something exactly the same. It is the Texas slash Logan's Roadhouse Rolls. And I actually think the Logan's Roadhouse Rolls are a little bit better. Are those so, at the same place? They're basically the same. Place. Is, is like they Texas well Roadhouse the, the one that I put on my list the same thing as Logan's? I think they're owned by the same company, to be honest. Yeah, because I looked <laughs> at the pictures sure. as I was doing my ranking, and I don't think I've it ever It is an walked- identical concept. You get peanuts when you walk in. It's the same There's place. There's delicious yeast rolls, and they have steaks. Um, I don't care about the steak at a Texas Roadhouse or a Logan's Road. They actually do make it pretty. If you get the bone-in ribeye, it's pretty good. Yeah. But I don't care. I'm there for the rolls. Yeah. And I dream of those rolls. They are so good, so perfect. Well, do you you, dip it, do you take it for a swim in the cinnamon butter? Absolutely. Of course. I'd eat that what cinnamon butter with the, a spoon. You put the <laughs> knife in there and you hollow out a little hole. And then you take the cinnamon butter and then you fill it. You fill the hole with cinnamon butter. So you, it's almost like a mm. almost like a jelly donut. Is that your, is that your perfect butter. way of application of butter on your roll? Of those rolls, yes. If I'm like with it, a it friend, it all depends. If I'm with a friend, biscuit, I want to cut up. Like I want to cut a biscuit in half and then spread. But that roll, no, I want. I want it like a jelly donut. If I'm with a friend and I'm not concerned about my manners, I will just dip the roll into the butter. Nothing wrong with that. Just take the roll, no rip it in half if you have to, and just just dip it into the butter and just eat it like you're scooping it like a I chip want, and salsa. I want Texas Roadhouse so bad. My <laughs> wife does not like 
those is not a big Texas Roadhouse fan. I, I think there was before we met there was some sort of traumatic experience at a Texas Roadhouse, but I I want that so bad right now. Yeah, I I have never been a big middle tier steak person. Like I've never ordered a steak at a Chili's or a or a that's not my my deal. My deal is eating like hamburgers and stuff like that at those types of places. Yeah. And I, and that's I, the thing you can get a you can get a burger for a relatively good price. Yeah. That's a good burger at one of those places, and you get all those rolls. Yeah. And they'll keep coming. Yeah. God, now I'm starving. Every time. Every time. But I haven't eaten yet, Ari. I have not broken the fast. It's 10 a.m. when we're recording this, and I haven't eaten yet either. So um, I've got a egg witch sandwich over here, which is just uh, two. (laughs) It's just a piece of turkey sausage, and the bun is egg, so there's no carbs in it. I know. I hate my boy. life. I hate my life. <laughs> As we're well, ranking bread. Have, have, <laughs> have dreams of bread. Maybe on a cheat day, you can go get some uh, some Cheddar Bay Biscuits and just Cheddar Bay Biscuits. But this was in a wonderful ranking topic. And Ari, enjoy the games. I think we're going to have some more. We'll see. The, the, there's, there's a story out now where you've got... One of the reporters in Texas citing sources saying that uh, that Ole Miss and Texas A&M may be off next week. That's not good. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a, it's an Ole Miss writer, David Johnson from 24-7, reporting that, that Ole Miss and A&M may be off next week. So we're probably going to be dealing with a lot of the same things next week. So let's think of another carb-heavy ranking that we, we can do. Yeah. Maybe Best Donuts or something. Because yeah. Honestly, that's about the only way to feel better. Andy, I just want you to know that I know there's not a lot of games right now because of uh, COVID and all that, but there is one game, and I've been looking at YouTube while you were talking of reactions to people eating this chip, and they're, like, dying. So I looked at a picture of the chip. We don't have to do it. This chip is going to mess you up or me up. I don't know who's going to win, but there's only one game this weekend, and it's Miami Virginia Tech. And I don't, I don't know. Go Canes! <laughs> I'm actually, I, I am nervous. Go Canes! That's all I got. to Go say. Hokies! Go Canes! We'll talk to you after the games on Sunday.